we're seeing significant effects because of these ages on that development, which um, frightens the life out of me, to be honest. <laughs>
you came across AGEs, how did that intersect, right? Because I don't think you started out studying them. So if you can kind of explain um, what led you to discovering them. One of the major things in cancer is that um, the body produces a lot of energy, which allows the cancer to grow. So that proverbial lump of cancer that we get in our bodies, that's our cells in our bodies growing too quickly. So that means it needs a lot of energy. So the energy that's provided produces ages. So you get more ages in the body than what you were getting before, just because you've got the cancer. So that was my original sort of hook to start to look at this. When I sort of um, came across this sort of phenomenon, I looked to see how many publications they were in cancer and that were linked to these advanced glycation end products. And there was one, maybe two at most, which is really quite shocking given the relationship between the two. So I changed my research program and really started to look at these ages and what they uh, their role in cancer. So would you say that there's a, a lot of research on this topic? Because I'll say from, from my point of view as a physician, it's not something that we talk about much at all. It's not really something that we learn about much in, in medical school. You know, we talk about, you know, hemoglobin A1C, which is, I know, a form of an advanced glycation end product. But beyond that, we don't really touch on the subject very much. So kind of when did this research begin and, and how much is there out there? Yeah, well, the research actually began in the 18th century. There was a guy called Maillard, and um, he was um, trying, believe it or not, he was trying to identify But when you um, um, cook bread to make toast, it turns brown. And that brown is a visualization of these ages forming. It's now called the Maillard reaction. So that was actually found a long, long time ago. And virtually when you cook anything, when you see that burnt charred areas, and it's turning brown. That is advanced glycation end products that's building up in the food. So that was found a long, long time ago. But basically, the research on it has been, I mean, there's a lot of paper, uh, papers out there within our industry, within the universities and the publications, scientific publications. But there's very not much sort of with the drug administration, the food advisory boards. They don't talk about these advanced glycation end products. So the research itself has really been restricted to what we call epidemiology studies, where we look in large cohorts of people. We try to measure how much age is they're taking in and what happens to a disease in the people that's taken in the higher amounts of these ages. So a lot of them studies have identified ages are actually very high in diabetes patients. Like you said, H1AC is an advanced glycation end products. But cardiovascular disease was heavily looked at. Alzheimer's disease is really an emerging concept where you can see these advanced glycation end products are accumulating in the brain of Alzheimer's patients. And then really our lab and a few other labs around the country have really been driving and associating these ages with um, cancer as well. So the cancer tissue itself is jam-packed full of advanced glycation end products. And the, the, the fact that they're there is just not a coincidence. They must be playing a role. And that's what we've been looking at within our lab. And we've shown that the, even the consumption of these ages through food, you can increase tumor growth in our experimental models. So can you explain the difference, um, the diff- I guess, the different ways that you actually encounter AGEs. So there's two two types of atmospheres. Can you explain? Yeah. So there's the what we call endogenous, and that's inside the body, what that means. And that's that energy production I was talking about. So when our bodies produce energy, one of the byproducts is the ages. And they're sort of endogenous ages. They are produced, we can't do anything about that. It's a natural phenomenon. 
And um, it, it is actually thought that um, these ages that are produced endogenously in the body sort of a, a sort of a fail-safe device because they build up in tissues and organs and they're part of the aging process. And that can't be stopped. We know we can't reverse aging, whatever we do. And these advanced glycation end products are really playing a role in causing that aging. So what we have, the other, the other opposite of endogenous is exogenous, which is like outside sources of these advanced glycation end products. And that's really where our research has really come to the fore because now, because of the modern lifestyle, the foods that we eat, the lack of exercise, like I was talking before, they actually cause um, our bodies to be exposed to really high amounts of these ages. And normally these ages are excreted when we visit the restroom. But if you overload the body, if you're eating too many foods that have ages in them, then the body can't actually cope. And these ages actually fasten to our tissues and organs. And this accelerates that aging process. And because it's, uh, so because it's associated with aging, that's why these ages are associated with most chronic diseases, because all chronic diseases are an aging disease, so to speak. So would you say then that everything that we eat has some level or some amount of AGEs in it? Or are there certain foods or certain things that are higher or lower how do we go about knowing that? Yeah, that, that's exactly the point. Uh, I mean, all foods have ages in them, but there's a lot of foods have very low ages and a lot of foods have very high ages. So it, it really ties in with a lot of what we know already, that the high fats, the high processed foods, we know they're unhealthy for us. But one of the things that they have is very high in these advanced glycation end products. So because we're eating a lot of them, we're actually throwing a lot of these ages into our bodies but also the sugar that we eat, we're eating way too much sugar. It's just a, an epidemic at the moment. So the sugar that we eat also provides sort of a precursor that leads to age formation within the body. So you can see we, we normally excrete the ages out. A small amount of them actually accumulate in our tissues and organs, and that leads to aging. But now because we're eating so many of these things and because we're not exercising, which helps to remove these things, we're now... Uh, these ages are accumulating in our tissue and organs a lot quicker than they've ever done in the past. And that's why, again, they're associated with the chronic disease epidemics at the moment. So chronic disease is obviously a, a major issue, you know, not just in the U.S., but, but globally. In yeah. AGEs are connected to and pretty much all of them. So why why isn't this something that you know, we ever hear about. I imagine a lot of people listening, this is the first time they're ever hearing of AGEs. Um, but it sounds like they're, you know, something that we can avoid, but something, you know, as far as what happens inside, but externally, you know, that is something that we control. I've never, you know, before coming across your research, I never heard of AGEs. Um, but it's, you know, one of those things that the research shows it's connected to everything. So why do you think no one's ever heard of them? Yeah, I give a lot of talks being a university professor and things, and that's the most common question that I get asked. And I've got to be honest, I haven't got a straight answer. The only answer I have is we should know about these things. These should be at the forefront. One thing that we haven't mentioned about these advanced glycation end products, we're told about the, uh, the how bad fat is for you, how bad sugar is for you. And even protein in excessive amounts is not good for the body. Well, these ages are a consequence of the fats, the sugars, and the proteins. So it's not just like one part of this. It's universal over 
the whole of our nutritional habits more than anything else, which I believe makes them even more significant than, say, sugars, fats, and proteins, because they're sort of like a surrogate for all three. So if we actually look at them, we're looking at sort of the global effects of our nutrition on our body rather than just one component. And I think that's significant. And um, so basically what we're trying to do is get the word out there. And I can only thank you immensely for actually jumping on and allowing us to give this talk because this is the only way it's going to happen. There's a lot of conspiracy theories. People don't want us to know about ages. Whether that's true or not, we leave that up to everybody else to decide. But basically, if we're going to learn about these advanced glycation end products, it's going to be through podcasts like this. And um, and of course, we've got the Anti-Age Foundation going now to really sort of get these advanced glycation end products, educate people what they are, what they do, and where they can be found. If they want to do something about that, then it's up to them. But I think if people don't know what these are or the damage that they can do, they can't make the informed choices that they need to. And um, that's really a mission of the research and what we do. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, personally, I, I was pretty shocked when you know I talked to colleagues and I, and I talked to patients and, and really nobody knows about this, about AGEs and nobody is aware that they're you know basically in everything that we consume and that they deposit into almost all of our organs that we know of and can kind of wreak havoc and cause chronic disease. And since, you know, I'm, I'm a family medicine physician, it's kind of my job to, to treat chronic disease. And, and ultimately, our goal is to prevent chronic disease. So talking about AGEs and something that has a direct correlation to chronic disease is something that you think would be high on our radar. But yeah. for some reason, it's it's just not taught. It's not taught in medical schools. It's not taught in residency. Um and I'm, I'm hoping we can we can work with you and, and uh, try to fix that a little bit um, going forward. Yeah, I, I just totally agree. I go to scientific conferences with people that have much bigger brains than I'll ever have, and they don't know what advanced glycation end products are. And it, it's just it's just they're fundamental to the biology of our bodies. Metabolism is why we live and why we produce the energy and why we can do what we do. And if, if we're actually making our organs grow older just by consuming too many of these ages, it's really, if people are educated about ages, it's easy to cut that down. We're going to live longer. We've got a, at the moment, the epidemic in chronic diseases in like young adults, especially pre-diabetes and diabetes is going through the roof. I mean, in children, you never re used to hear about type 2 diabetes, say 20, 30 years ago in children. Now it's becoming an epidemic. And a lot of that is to do with the modern lifestyle. And because ages are linked to the modern lifestyle and they promote diabetes, then why aren't we looking at them? I mean, it's not even, it's just common sense more than it is anything else. So I think the, the, the question I have for, and I want to help clarify this for anybody listening is, so this is obviously AGE research is, is something that is somewhat new, I guess, in, in context comparatively to just cancer research in general. No. Um, but it's something that obviously humans have been eating for, for a very long time. So what, I guess, what has happened that has caused such an increase of AGE consumption externally? Mm -hmm. Um, what do you, what do you think that point was, right? Why, do, why is it so much higher than it's ever been in human history? I mean, the, the first one to pick on is processed foods, definitely. So when they take foods, we realize we have to have shelf life on these foods to make them last longer so we can put them through the supermarkets and everything. But there's got the processing of, say, extrusion is where they force foods into certain shapes 
and so that they can do them. That increases the age content within that food. Heat is um, a very much a thing that um, increases the levels of advanced glycation end products in foods, whether we're frying or broiling, that really sort of can make the food, it can increase the ages in the food at least tenfold. And food processing does exactly the same. The irradiation, um, retorting is another one that they do. And all of this really increases ages in their foods. And because we're eating them processed foods, it's the number one thing in most shopping baskets. That means that we're throwing a lot of these ages into our bodies and that's where they're doing the damage. So cooking, although it's been around a long time, we do much more frying, broiling, all this sort of the, the cooking methods that we know are unhealthy and all of them really sort of um, produce ages in the food itself. So one thing I haven't mentioned up to now is that ages taste fantastic. So a lot of the processed foods, um, processed food manufacturers actually throw ages the chemical age right into the foods just because processed foods don't taste of anything by the time they're finished processing. So they throw ages in to make them taste good. So, and also the burnt charred areas on all the barbecues and everything that we all love, the taste, a lot of the taste of that is the advanced glycation end products in the food. So, yeah, so I guess I want to clarify that. So, so they're really bad for us, but they taste amazing. Right. And that's, that's the conundrum, right. That, Mm -hmm. that we're in. So, do you think that that is, you know, do you think that that is maybe one of the biggest reasons why you th- people will be resistant to really wanting to learn and like, spread the word about AGEs? Because what it's basically saying is something that we already know, that processed foods, highly cooked foods yeah. um, is, is just not good for us. And we know that instinctually, and we know that they're linked to many chronic diseases, but this is a direct way to measure exactly how harmful these foods are. So where, I guess, where would you say that, you know, this research is, is, is going, do you think it's going to a point where it's going to be so obvious that if we don't do something about this, that, you know, everybody's going to have to to kind of jump on board, or do you think it's something that people are going to continue to not want to address and discuss? Yeah, it's, it's a convoluted question, but it's, and it's difficult to answer. Basically, it's up to the researchers to provide the evidence so the food manufacturers can't deny that these things are having the harmful effects. So if we can go, uh, one thing that we're doing at the moment, so um, dog foods, the processed foods for dogs, they have a, we're finding that they have a hundred times more ages than human foods. So we're allowed, we're able to do this study because um, a benefactor came and said, look, I want you to look at ages in foods. So we wouldn't be able to do that food on uh, that uh, them experiments on a grant. We need sort of uh, philanthropy money because these experiments aren't being done by the food companies because they don't want to know. They don't want this thing out there. Is really what we're saying. So it's it's a different way. The first way to attack it is get this de- get the definitive data that shows. Look, you eat too many of these things. It increases how quickly people age, and that's leading to chronic disease in younger and younger people. If we can show that, it's going to be very, it's going to bring it to the forefront. And then the Food Drug Administration, all the powers that be, are going to have to start to address this. And also, and of course, the more lay or public people that start to ask questions about advanced glycation end products, again, that's going to um, sort of push the, the subject to the forefront where people are going to have to address. 
one of the major things is is the manufacturing companies could do changes to the way they process their foods which would reduce the formation of ages during processing but that isn't being looked at and we're sort of looking at with food we've done some experiments mm -hmm. to actually address that and it's not that difficult to reduce the number of ages that's in this processed foods but it's getting the food manufacturing companies to adopt that so that's one of the big goals that we we're sort of pushing forward and again, I mean, food nerd, we were talking about putting ages onto um, sort of food packets and onto food labels. And because they're reflective of all the protein, the, the, the fats and the, and the sugars that are in that food, it would be a much more reliable sort of biomarker for how much damaging that food is. But you did mention earlier that, um, that um, we sort of know a lot of the foods and everything, which is totally right. But there's a lot of foods also that we think are healthy that are pretty high in ages. Um, breakfast bars and tofu is a synthetic food that's processed. They're all pretty high. So there is a lot of foods out there that we think are healthy that when it comes to ages, that might not be the case. So, so David, I, I'm envisioning a lot of our listeners out there right now, maybe maybe eating their lunch while they're watching this and, and wondering to themselves how, how many AGEs or ages are, are in the food that they're eating. So maybe we can talk a little bit about kind of what foods are high and low in AGEs and if there's any research out there on, on exactly how many AGEs we should kind of be looking for a day. Is there like a recommended daily allowance or, or, or what are kind of our target numbers in terms of uh, exogenous AGE consumption? Yeah, so the recommended daily amounts. Um, if you go to the FDA website and put in advanced glycation end products, you don't get one hit, which says a lot just on its own. So the recommended daily amounts, there's nothing official on that. They don't even seem to know they exist if you go to their site. But there was a study out of um, New York that looked at, um, I think it was around 300 New Yorkers who they were eating what was called an average diet. And it was, um, they decided that it was between 15,000 and 20,000 age units a day is our limit. But um, to say that as a number means nothing to most people because they don't know what ages are. But some examples that we could do, I mean, if you've got three ounces of um, uh, beef, that has around 800 age units in it. So if you boil that, which not more many people do because the taste isn't as good, it goes to about 1,000. But if you actually fry three ounces of beef just for about five minutes, it goes up to about 10,000 age units just on its own. And that's only three ounces. And the, if you do a similar thing with vegetables, so vegetables are low in ages. So um, I think it's what three ounces of carrot has around 10 to 50 age units. And you do the same thing. You broil that, which really makes them tasty. It goes up to about, I think it's 100, 150. So really we should be uh, sort of broiling our vegetables and boiling our meats. But um, again, the other side of that is, I mean, the worst one we've ever found is the one everybody loves. The bacon is the big thing. Everybody loves bacon. And if you've ever wondered why it tastes so good, like three slices of bacon has around 96,000 age units. So if you put that into the 20,000 that you recommended each day, so you're like four times over just by eating three slices of bacon. So there's a lot to be sort of taken in. But unless there's some sort of resource for people to go to and they're aware of these numbers and these foods and everything, then it, it, it's, it's going nowhere. And that's where we need to really push this forward and educate people of what ages are, again, so they can make those informed decisions upon what they want to do. 
but they need to have that knowledge first and that's just not happening at the moment i kind of want to um, piggyback off of that so what you just mentioned was a huge difference so you talked about a carrot being processed you know broiled so high heat and it goes you know from a you know single digit to 100 and that's the max but then you said beef um goes from 800 to 10,000. Mm -hmm. can you explain why there's such a huge difference between the two yeah so a lot of it is that the foods that we have of what we call precursors which are chemicals that are needed to come together to form an advanced glycation end product sugar is one of the main ones that comes to that fat is another one and protein just like i was talking before so wherever you've got them in ages will form and that can happen what we call spontaneously without any sort of um, enzyme it's basically they bump into each other and ages form to put it in lay terms so what happens when you do the processing and the um cooking of the foods it drives them foods to come together so these ages form very very quickly and going back to that mallard reaction where i saw the browning of the toast you, the longer you keep that or the higher the heat the darker that comes and it becomes black in the end and again, that's visualizing these ages forming in the bread because of the heat, and it goes that way. So basically, the, a lot of the difference is that the, the vegetables don't have them precursors in large enough amounts that the heat forces that age formation. But the meats and the other foods, they have lots of these precursors, so the heat really drives their formation up to the 10,000 level we were talking about. Okay, well, so, so you're saying, so high heat for high dry heat for a long time increases AGEs, whereas low yeah. kind of wet heat, if you will, for a, a smaller amount of time would reduce your AGEs, correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. Because the, the, the hydration of the wet heat, the boiling can inhibit that mm -hmm. reaction, that browning reaction itself. But interestingly, also acidic marinades can actually do that as well. They can actually slow down that reaction so that it, the ages don't form as quick in the food itself. Yeah, that was actually my next question. I would like to know, like, what, what things can we do to reduce the amount of AGEs besides our the way we're cooking it? Is like you just said, acidic marinades. Is there is there any other cooking processes that we can try to reduce AGE consumption? Or or on the on the other flip side of that, are there things, are there medications or supplements that are out there that can help reduce AGE formation or uh, help with AGE excretion in our bodies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, the obvious one is that uh, moist heat that we were talking about. So the crock pots and the slow cookers, they're fantastic for cooking the meats. One easy way is to cook the meats into, uh, cut the meats into smaller sizes so it cooks quicker. So you don't have that buildup of the ages that go in it itself. And the acidic marinades are really quite effective. That um, 10,000 ages you found after um, grilling steak can be re reduced to around five or six thousand just by a, an acidic marinade so that's taken like almost half of that off there but the other thing is is um we should everybody needs to know really where the ages are and then um, anything with the high fats the high processed and the high sugars they are all very high in ages but like i said they do taste fantastic and even i treat myself to like bacon now and again it's rare i've got to say because it frightens me but you do have to live i mean you take away ages out of a lot of these foods, you do lose a lot of the taste. So it's very much bringing in, putting the taste back in with spices and things to keep things going that way. And there is some evidence that some spices and herbs and things can inhibit age formation as well. 
But, um, but as for the supplements, there's lots on the market, but the unfortunate thing is none of them have actually been scientifically validated at all. We're actually working with some guys who look at natural products and they're, um, they look at algae and um, fungi and things like that. And we have actually identified a few sort of potential compounds, which at least uh, in experiments in test tubes, they can stop the formation of these ages. And we're starting to look at these as potential sort of supplements. So you can maybe eat three slices of bacon and pop two of these pills and it might stop the ages from doing the damage that they do. But uh, that's some way off at the moment, but th there is some potential there from natural products. It's known that, for instance, that we, our bodies can't cope with these advanced glycation end products at all, but microbes, bacteria and things like that, they seem to be able to manipulate these ages quite readily to do what they want to do. So. That's the other side is how are they doing that? So then we could maybe develop some sort of treatments or some sort of inhibitory molecules to stop these ages from forming. So I kind of want to stress, you know, people listening, they're like, okay, AGEs, something that's bad. Um, just like they often hear there's things in our diet that are bad, try to avoid them yeah. or try to reduce the amount that you're putting into your body. Can you kind of talk to the point of just how, how much of a difference could this make on your health if you actually reduce, you know, the the amount of AGEs that you're you're consuming? Yeah, I mean, we there's no real direct studies that have measured that. I mean, it, it's got to be that way. There's things. There's there is some indirect studies like the Mediterranean diet. We know that's healthy. There was a group in Europe who did an experiment who put people on the Mediterranean diet but supplemented ages into the Mediterranean diet and all the benefits of the Mediterranean diet disappeared. So all these people started to um, put weight on. Some of them, I think, had rashes. They came back. So there's a lot to be said that the reducing these advanced glycation end products can really reduce the chronic diseases. But there's a lot more research needs to be done on that. We have sort of inhibited ages in our experimental models and we can reduce tumor growth. And uh, we, these haven't been done in humans yet, but it, we, there is potential from the studies. But like we said, it's understudied. Not enough people know about these things. So the funding isn't there to actually really definitively show exactly what you're asking. Even though all the data that's out there does point to the fact that reducing ages reduces chronic diseases, we need the funding to be able to definitively show that in these experiments. So we, we know that consuming AGEs, um, high levels of AGEs is bad because they basically get trapped in our organs and there's, there's only a limited amount of excretion that we can do. So some amount of the AGEs that we're consuming end up staying in our organs yeah. for life, right? So yeah. I guess from my point of view, what are the ways that we can accurately measure what has been researched out there that, that helps us measure these AGEs in our body and, and how can we use that information to help um, I guess, help patients and, and help reduce chronic disease. Yeah, sure. I mean, just before I answer that one, one quick example of the damage these ages can do, which sort of hits home quite a bit, is wrinkles in the skin. So the skin is full of collagen and ages actually love collagen. They grab hold of it quicker than probably any other protein. And over time, that actually contributes to wrinkles in the skin. Now, if you can imagine the same thing happening to every organ in your body, that's sort of the damage that these advanced glycation end products can do. And the other side of this, it, um, sorry, remind me of the second part. 
Just how are we able to measure AGEs? I know that like that we we frequently are using hemoglobin A1C, but it helps us kind of dictate our, our care for diabetes. Um, and I know that hemoglobin A1C is a is a measure is an AGE. But are there other ways to measure AGEs in our body? I, I've heard of an arm scanner, but we don't really use that in the U.S. And maybe we can you can touch on why that is. Yeah. So experimentally, we we have the the, the most widely used method is called an ELISA. And basically, there's a, an antibody, like our bodies produce antibodies that recognize everything we put into our bodies. So we've sort of copied them antibodies that are in the body that recognize ages, and we make an assay out of them. So we can use that. So we can take serum from um, blood, put it onto an ELISA, and th- we put the antibody on, and that antibody could be measured. So the more antibody there is there, the more ages you have in your sort of circulatory system. So we use that one a lot. So there's also the sort of gold standard is called the mass spec machine. And that can measure specifically a single age in the body. It's very, very sort of sensitive, but it's very expensive. But the age reader that you were talking about, that's been quite exciting. One thing we didn't mention was that a lot of these ages fluoresce, believe it or not. It's almost like glow in the dark, but not quite. So you can actually measure that fluorescence using a, a, what we call a spectrophotometer, which fires a laser at the skin, and the, the light is reflected in a certain direction, which is because of that fluorescence in the ages. And that has been used in um, Europe for nearly a decade now, and they actually use it to um, diagnose cardiovascular disease. So if, you, if they, you put your hand on this, it measures with that light. And then whatever that level is, it can tell you whether you're at high risk for cardiovascular disease. So we're using them in the lab with some of our clinical trials with our cancer patients. We're just starting to get that going now. So we're measuring their age levels, and then we can relate that to whether the cancer is growing quickly or slowly. And then we can also go to the diet itself and sort of extrapolate out of the, 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 the foods that cancer patients are eating and see whether it's a low or a high age. And we've released um, three or four publications quite recently that's shown that um, if you're in the, the highest group of age consumption, you're at much higher risk of breast cancer and, and dying of breast cancer as well. If you're eating, if your circulating ages are very high, then your um, breast cancer is going to be more aggressive is basically what it's saying. So we need to repeat a lot of them studies in some really large cohort studies to really get this um, into a true clinical trial and treatment. Um, one of our studies that we did, um, the tamoxifen is a treatment for um, estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. It's mo- probably the most c- common breast cancer there is. And we, in our experiments at the bench, when we treated um, breast cancer cells with ages and tamoxifen, tamoxifen didn't work anymore. So that's sort of indicating that you're, if you're on a high age diet while you're on tamoxifen treatments, you could be affecting the efficacy of that treatment. And that would be a really easy thing to put right. If people knew what ages were, you could give them a diet low on ages while they're taking their tamoxifen treatment, and you would expect it to work a lot better than it is. And we're trying to get funding to sort of take that study further and make it part of sort of the treatment regimen for um, cancer survivors. So it, it's clear that there's there's an immense amount of benefit to knowing the levels of AGEs in our bodies. Yep. And we haven't there's a there's an arm scanner that has been used in Europe for 10 years, and it sounds like it's 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 non-invasive, it's relatively inexpensive, and it's a quick 
procedure. Yeah. You just put your hand on a scanner for a few seconds and you get a general idea of how many AGEs are kind of in your body. So why is that something that's not being used in the United States uh, in, in doctor's offices at all? Again, yeah, I wish I knew the answer, but I mean, there's over 200 publications, scientific publications using this scanner. It's been extensively studied. And like I said, it is used in Europe. It's, it's validated in Europe. I know the company that actually make the scanner in Europe did contact the FDA in America to see about bringing it over and to, because obviously they want to sell more units, but the FDA didn't want to know. And uh, they didn't really give a reason. They, they just didn't really respond to any of the approaches from that company to get that scanner over here. And I think a lot of that is because they don't know what ages are. I mean, there's not enough out there um, that, that's really sort of, how do you put it? I mean, as soon as we start to show that these consume, um, eating these ages promotes cancer, then the FDA will be forced to look at it. At the moment, they're just turning around and saying it hasn't, there's not enough evidence to show that there is, even though there's thousands of papers indicating that these things promote chronic diseases, they don't seem to be taking it that seriously. And whether that's economical, whether that's just a valid scientific argument, I don't agree with that, but it's, yeah, it's um, putting our heads against the wall a bit at the moment. I must say that we, we, over the last decade that I've been researching these, it was almost impossible to get research on ages funded. That's starting to change now. We've managed to start to get that data. We had a recent publication, it's only been out about a week, showing that uh, mice that eat these advanced glycation end products, their tumors grow five times quicker than mice that don't eat them. And that's just come, and that's the kind of data we need to start making. Look, the FDA are going to have to start taking this industry, and that's also the food manufacturing companies as well. I mean, the more we get information like this out, the more they're going to have to change the habits that they're doing at the moment. I know it costs them money, but they're going to have to do it because nobody will sort of uh, eat the foods that they're manufacturing at the moment if they knew how bad they were for them. Yeah, I would love to to kind of go over that because it's. You know, I think a lot of a lot of people just in general assume that if it's if it's in the market, it's safe for me, right? So if if it's if I'm buying something at the grocery store that either the FDA approved it or has has in some way, you know, kind of put their stamp on it, saying that this is this is okay for for people in the U.S. to buy. Yes. Um, and this is something that you know I'm very passionate about because it's that's not really the case. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of of different food manufacturers out there. And the FDA doesn't have, you know, the power or the bandwidth in order to make sure that every single food that's going into our grocery stores is safe. So there's actually this, you know, this uh, this duty that's actually placed on the manufacturer. And what you said earlier that, well, <laughs> manufacturers are actually taking AGE compounds, putting them into the food directly to make them taste better. There's To me, that's so hard to hear because we know AGEs are not just, you know, not good for you, but they are extremely harmful for you. Mm -hmm. And so here we have, you know, a, a group of consumers who have no idea what AGEs are, but they're consuming them in high levels. And the entire food system is, you know, kind of failing to recognize that how, how harmful these compounds are. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that's probably one of the most, I think the ways that we're going to get this word out there is through consumers actually coming across research that you're doing and saying, okay, wait a minute, why is it no one talking about this? Because in something this reminds me about is, 
when, you know, the concept and understanding and education of carcinogens, for example, people started learning what carcinogens were and, yep. and started, you know, being able to be told, hey, carcinogens, you know, equals cancer forming, you know, agents. And, and people started saying, wait a minute, that we need to know where, what are carcinogens? Where are they? And so I would love for you to kind of, you know, kind of give your opinion. Do you think that we can kind of take that same path where, you know, consumer education is, is going to demand this? And then the research you're saying, the research is here. Like we have the research, we've been doing the research. Mm -hmm. The duty really is now on regulations, right? Because there's, there's enough out there to be able to say, um, yeah, I, I totally agree, and I do think the way, the quickest way forward is community uh, community advocacy. I mean, that causes the changes the quicker. I mean, the food companies maybe when they develop these processing, they didn't look at ages. Fair enough, and it's gone. But now we're aware of what these ages are. We're aware of what processing does to these ages and how it increases it in the foods. So now something needs to be changed. That change isn't really happening. And um, whether it's financial, whatever the reason, it should be. I mean, it, okay. they. Sh I mean, it's just as simple as that. But the only way we're going to cause the change is if we get out there, people start asking the questions. That's the advocacy side, and the scientists come forward and keep getting the results and sh keep showing that if you eat these things, it causes diseases. It causes Alzheimer's to be worse. Basically, our experiments seem to show that. If you eat a lot of these ages, it causes what we call a microenvironment or an environment in the body that really helps the tumor grow. It causes inflammation is one of the main things. It alters our immune system and it makes the area within, say, a breast that um, if there's a certain um, genetic event, it, the, the tumor forms and it grows very, very quick because it's like a seed in the soil. So these ages of the soil, if there's a seed that leads to cancer, actually sort of is in that microenvironment, the tumor grows very, very quick. So in people that have low ages, it seems that microenvironment is not so conducive. The tumor is still going to grow, but not as quick as if because of all that inflammation and everything that these ages cause, tumors love that. It, it leads to them being able to be fed almost. So if you're feeding yourself ages, you could be feeding the tumor everything that it needs to actually grow which, yeah, whichever way you look at it, that can't be a good thing. And if, our, okay. and if our processed foods are contributing to that, or even other foods, I mean, we haven't talked about exercise. We have lots of, there's lots of data out there that if you don't exercise, these ages accumulate a lot faster. And if you do exercise, you clear these ages when you visit the restrooms a lot quicker. So there's a lot of different aspects to this that are all tie-in with lifestyle. And really, uh, I mean, one of the big areas that we look at at the moment is health inequity. Virtually all the health inequity factors, whether you're living in an area that doesn't really stock healthy foods just because nobody can afford to buy them. So if you're below the poverty line, you can't buy the healthy foods that are low in ages. You have to eat the foods that are high in ages. You haven't got a choice. And what's even worse is you have to feed them foods to your children. And, it, and I think that side of things is an area that we're starting to look at. And it looks as if we have some serious effects on them in our experimental models during development. So during puberty, during breast development, we're seeing significant effects because of these ages on that development, which um, frightens the life out of me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly why I wanted to go with this, because 
you know, it's one thing for adults to say, yeah, you know, whatever I can, I can consume AGs and that's, that's my, you know, kind of thing to deal with, but kind of what you mentioned earlier with pets, you know, we look at pets as something that, you know, they were feeding them. So if we're causing them harm, you know, we take that as a personal responsibility, but our children is a whole other topic. And, you know, the, the data just came out that, you know, anywhere from 67 to 73% of a children's diet now is comprised of these ultra processed foods. So is there, is there any research related to AGEs and, and children? Um, and if not, you know, how do we, how do we make that message clear? Because I think there's, you know, damage that's done to a child mm-hmm. that's irreversible mm-hmm. that we can control, I think is one of the most painful things that you can hear. So if you can speak to that, that would be awesome. Yeah. The, the actual scientific studies on ages and children are very few and far between. There's not many at all. We've just put a grant in to try and look at, um, age levels in children and the rates of chronic diseases along the I-95 corridor. It's called the corridor of shame because the, the poverty levels along that corridor are just ridiculous. So we were so that grant is in and we're trying to get that funded. But the, the studies that out there have been really quite small. You've got to be honest, they've been too small and the, the data that they give is mixed. For a lot of these studies, when you're looking within children, within adults, whichever, you need sort of like tens of thousands of people to really get meaningful data. We know that, but you do do pilot studies, which is 20 to 40 people, and you can try and get the data from that, and you use that data to try and get the funding for the tens of thousands of people. So then smaller studies have been done. The the results have either shown no effect or they do associate ages with chronic diseases. So that's actually positive because this is a low number of studies, but that's where we are. But then the studies need to be done. We've done experimental models that shows that when you eat um, these advanced glycation end products during puberty, mammary development is really sort of disrupted. The, the breast formation is really sort of dysregulated, as we call it. And one of the most frightening things we found, we were seeing pre-neoplastic, so pre-cancerous lesions in the mice that have been fed these high-age diets in the breast. So these pre-cancerous lesions could be, again, they could be the microenvironment that leads to breast cancer in later life, 40 years later. I mean, it's just this damage that we do during these developmental programs, such as puberty, I think is key to all of these chronic diseases. And that's really, as you said, is, is important for our children. And I think that's why we see diabetes in younger people, Alzheimer's, the, 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 it's, it's occurring in younger and younger adults and the same as cancer. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing cancer in uh, like 25-year-olds. That's just practically unheard of 20, 30 years ago. It just was just didn't exist. But we're seeing that now. And it's because we're accelerating this damage that's being caused to our body. Basically, we're getting older too quick. Our organs are getting too older. And ages aren't the only thing causing that, but ages are a major contribution to that increased aging, which is leading to more chronic diseases. Yeah, and that speaks to the quality of life, right? So we may be living longer and we may be able to, you know, from a medical standpoint, keep ourselves alive. Yeah. But if we're developing chronic diseases at, you know, that are beginning in our, our early, you know, childhood to adulthood, and then they manifest, you know, in our 30s and 40s, we're going to stay alive due to modern medicine, but mm-hmm. our, the quality of our life is going to be so poor. Yeah. Uh, I know as right now, it's, it's six out of 10 Americans have one chronic disease. Yeah. Um, and then four out of 10 have two to three chronic disease stacked. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that 
you know, we all know we, we should eat healthier mm-hmm. um, and we should exercise, right? Those are the two basic things that we all know. But what excites me about AGEs is now we actually are getting to a point where we're, where the awareness is starting to be spread. Mm-hmm. And then we actually have ways that this could be an, an indicator and something that we can actually incorporate into our daily lives to really be, you know, to really be deciders of our health, which I think is so empowering because I think that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that if we can control is what we put into our bodies and it can have this much of an impact on our life. You know, a tumor tumor cancer that's, you know, fed AGEs can grow five times faster. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine if that's in, you know, your loved one or or in your child. Um, And that's something I find really empowering about AGEs and the research that you and all and all your colleagues are doing um, because it's it gives us a choice you know it gives us something that we can do and work with our physicians um, to actually manage so that is yeah that's exciting for me as depressing as AGEs are that is something that I think the future you know will will really bring as a good I mean we all know that we're supposed to be eat healthy but there's a lot of apathy out there because we're told conflicting data all the time. This food, red wine is a big one. Don't drink red wine. Oh yeah, a glass a day is good for you, but then it isn't. And then so everybody gets. Oh, well, nobody knows what's going on. Where ages are different. They're definitive. They're not just like one type of food. They're not even a single food. They're sort of ubiquitous. They're common across the food nutrition pattern. Like it's not just fats, it's not just sugars, it's all of them. So it's sort of a readout of um, nutrition rather than a readout of how much fats you're taking or anything else in that way. Because, I mean, protein and fat can form ages or sugar and protein can form ages. And that could be the reason why a lot of diets, it works for some people, it works for others. It only, because you, you, even if you, you lower your fats, you're still taking maybe high sugar or high protein, which can still form ages. So it's still bad for you and it can still sort of, really contribute to all this so where ages is different from what we've been told up to now where all the apathy is is that it's it's almost definitive of the, the whole nutritional diet that you've got so ultimately you can write down all the foods that you t- take in a week and you can work out how many ages there is in that how many you're supposed to be taking so how can i reduce that down maybe i'll have a only one slice of bacon on a monday instead of six i, I mean it, there's just little things you could do that way and then you can spend more time with your grandkids running around in the park rather than sitting on the bench watching them run around, I suppose, is one of the ways of looking at it. It would really increase the quality of life. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that it's just such a preventable um, thing that we can work on. Exactly. But the, the linchpin to it all is awareness and education. And when I know personally that that physicians have no idea mm-hmm. about AGEs and, and they're certainly not recommending, you know, low AGE diets or, or talking with their patients about ways to limit their AGE consumption. Oh. It's, it's, it's tough to, to know that these diseases can be prevented and it's just not being discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm so thankful for you for, for the work that you're doing and for, for being the president of your nonprofit, the Anti-AGEs Foundation. Um, and maybe you can speak on a, a little bit about the foundation and kind of what, what, we're doing to, to spread awareness and further research and, and just help prevent uh, AGE, con- uh, limit AGE consumption, prevent chronic disease. Sure. Yeah. The foundation, which you, you, well, everybody that's listening, we're the three people along with my wife, Victoria, that actually got this foundation going. And then um, basically it's nonprofit and its sole goal is to make everybody age aware, advanced glycation and product aware. And uh, we're putting together as much information in lay terms 
And we're basically trying to do different sections on this website, one for the consumer to go and look at, the food manufacturers, the physicians, the scientists, the researchers, and even uh, just anybody, which really trying in nutritionists, we're trying to do it all so everybody can go there and really learn about these advanced glycation end products, what they are, what they do, and how they can avoid them is in a nutshell is what the site is going to do. And it's taken shape really nicely. And um, yeah, it, we just hope that the, uh, people will start to take this up and really cause change and really force the manufacturers to do something. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's exactly why we, we as soon as I, I found out about the research and, and, and realizing impact that this type of education could have on, on a family and, and their health. Um, that's exactly why we all work together and why we're trying to spread this word. Um, because I think that there's nothing more empowering than being able to, you know, to give your, you and your family health. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exactly what the Anti-AGs Foundation is, is for. Um, and again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the research that you do um, and for really being a pioneer in the space because you know, there wasn't really much for you to kind of follow. And so you really took on that, that whole burden yourself and, and your, and the, your colleagues that you work with. It really is, I think, something that will outlive all of us and that will also, you know, can change the entire health of a generation. So thank you so much for everything you do. Yeah, um, I've got to say thank you back. I mean, we've talked all the way through this podcast, how much is the community advocacy and it's the science. And Coming together, we can really make a change. So when you contacted me, it was fantastic. We could, and that's what we need more of. The more people that contact the scientists to work together so we can say, look, this is what's happening and really push it out there. I think that's the only way we can make. Individually, we're not going to make much change. Together, we can make a big change. Yeah, I think that's that's perfect. I mean, working together, it's it's great to see physicians come together with researchers, coming together with food manufacturers and being able to have these discussions and work towards a common goal. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just health. We all want to be healthier, right? And, and I think we're doing you know, a great job trying to spread, spread awareness and, and spread AGE awareness and, and make you know, chronic disease less. Yeah. <laughs> think of the past, hopefully, yeah. one day. Yeah. Let's make it more about the health than the profit, I think is what we're saying. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dr. Turner, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. And I'm sure we will have a follow-up podcast soon to talk about the research that you are now going to be diving into. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be updates every six months or so with, sure. with all the research you guys are doing. Yeah. And if any of your listeners have questions, I mean, they can go to the foundation website and they can pop them all on there and we'll try to answer as many as we can. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks, Dave. Bye. To everyone listening, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Hashtag Food Truth. If you share our mission for Food Truth, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe and visit antiages.org for more information and helpful tips. And remember, don't forget to eat your broccoli.